Good evening, everyone. Welcome to uh, the first episode of the Fantasy Football Bros of 2020. We are your hosts, Mark Hogan here and Derek Randall. Derek, how's it going? Hey, Martin, not too bad. Excited to uh, get talking fantasy sports with you once again. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, quite some time here. I know um, we kind of cut the podcast short from last season. Um, I mean, obviously, just we won't get into everything, but a lot has happened just uh, in the world, uh, in our lives here, and I'm sure we'll be able to catch up on some of that stuff here as well um, in future episodes and in tidbits and here and there. But, um, you know, to make a long story short, we're excited to be back and uh, get the get the 2020 season up and going here. So, yeah, absolutely. I am uh, looking at, looking real excited to try to defend my title for the third time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think you've certainly got a dynasty going here, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Obviously, there's a, a number of extra variables that come into play this year with how the football season is going to get played out. So. Um, certainly not your traditional season that uh, that any of us can really truly prepare for here. So, yeah, yeah, we're looking at uh, quite the unpredictable season. That's for sure. I'm just with COVID and everything. I'm very curious how it's going to play out. If someone on a team gets it, if that team has to cancel all their games that week, or what exactly? But it'll be interesting yeah. to see what the NFL does. Yeah, that, I mean, you've got COVID, um, you've got all the social justice issues that have came about, so there's a lot that can impact from a fantasy perspective, um, and just in general here in the world, so, um, you know, a, a lot of it are is kind of, you know, delicate uh, circumstances and, you know, situations or whatever, but uh, from we're here from a fantasy perspective to talk about everyone's teams in the Jonda League, and um, really kind of get things going. So um, we do have some changes to the Jonda League here as well. So um, Kuhar got the axe and uh, <laughs> looks like he's moving on and looks like uh, sort of brought in Kemper here. So what are your uh, initial thoughts with, um, you know, bringing Kemper back into the league here? Well, he's going to have to work pretty hard to uh, appeal to everybody after his horrific start. Um, yeah. Yeah, not not showing up for the first 10 rounds of the draft is kind of an issue. Um, but he did show up in the back half and was excited. I'm pretty sure he paid right on the spot, which is more than we can say for Kuhar usually. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, we're happy to have him back. He's a former champion. He was the first champion of this league back like eight years ago. So it's good to have him in the fold again and um, hopefully keep this thing competitive. Yeah, quite frankly, you know, I um, not showing up for those first several rounds there. Definitely thought he was uh, going to full flake on us there. So, um, you know, nice to have had him at least for the second half of the draft. And um, thought he had some interesting picks, especially uh, on the back back end of the draft. So um, we'll get into it in a minute as well. But we got a new uh, a new new owner in the league that always adds uh, a wrench into some folks' plans here especially from a trading perspective. And I think you even cracked a couple jokes earlier about, you know, how uh, Kuar's team was typically a nice farm farm team for Jack. So, um, <laughs> you know, it might be a little bit harder for Jack to, to poach some players off of Kemper's team. I, I guess, although who knows, we'll see. It, it'll be really nice 
nothing against Kuar. The dude just didn't really pay attention, and he did. Every trade that Jack offered him, that guy accepted. So it, it was a bit of a bummer, and I don't want anything tainting a title that Jack could potentially win, like a trade with Kuhar. So it'll be nice to not have that a part of this league, I guess. Um, we're, we're sad to see Kuhar go as he's been an original member, but it was time for him to move. Yeah, and then um, on the other side of things, you know, Caleb, obviously a staple in the league here. Um, he wasn't able to, you know, draft, um, kind of, you know, basically auto-drafted to a certain degree um, just because he was moving cross-country. But um, he had a relatively different draft. But in that same breath, you know, uh, he normally has a really kind of out-there draft in general. So this was actually a little bit more of a um, – you know, despite it being kind of an auto-draft, some random picks here and there, um, a relatively more calm-down setup here for Caleb. Yeah, and, and Caleb, we talked to him too because he knew this was coming, I guess, for a, a few days that he was going to miss the draft. So we talked to him, Dennis and I, a little bit and got a feel for the guys that he was interested in and were able to lock down a couple guys of his own choosing, which, I mean, I feel pretty good about that considering it would I, if I were in his position – it would suck to not be able to draft my own team. Um, but yeah. a lot of the unpredictability of Caleb was out the door with him being basically an auto draft for a lot of the draft. So yeah. um, we could see him at a much higher level than in previous years. So let's, uh, let's dive right into it here. Um, we'll go team by team. Um, I will say maybe just from a few housekeeping perspective, uh, perspective um, points as well. You know, so we added – um, a couple extra roster spots, right? Just anticipation of, you know, COVID possibly knocking some guys out, you know, week to week. So um, everyone's rosters are a little bit deeper into the, you know, into the 20th round. Are there any other, um, you know, additional changes going into the season that maybe we can kind of address as like a PSA for everyone in the league right now? Um, the commission said he's going to add a couple IR spots so that if there is a COVID IL, there's a place to put those guys. Um, he hasn't, I don't think he's done it yet, but he said he was going to, so there should be two to three IR spots coming. Other than that, I think it's pretty much the same. Cool. All right. So let's, uh, let's hop right in here. How do we want to do this? We want to just go one through 12, um, like the first pick through the 12th here. Uh, yeah, sure. You mean right, go, so let's start... go first team? Or yeah. Go... First team. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with you then, right? Yeah, I guess that'd be me. So I uh, get. Let's hear from the horse's mouth first. How did you think he did? It's hard. Um, I don't really like having a wide receiver. One is Cortland Sutton. Um, I love the guy. He's a great player, but that's the sacrifice I had to make. Having the number one overall pick, you have to take McCaffrey, and then when it gets back around to you, it's just a lot of guys gone. Um, with this being a keeper league, though, it felt really good to in the first three rounds have two top 10 running backs um, with McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. My plan was not at all to take Travis Kelsey at the second round in the back of that. I really wanted either (laughs) so pissed off. I wanted Mahomes or Julio Godwin Hopkins and literally in a span of five picks before me, what six picks before me, all those guys were gone, which is really frustrating. Um, But you just got to make, do with what you can yeah i mean on the flip side too travis kelsey he really is like a wide receiver one 
Um, yeah. He puts up kind of low-end wide receiver one numbers. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, he drops. Travis Kelsey is a guy that, that has gone as early as, you know, the 10th pick in some drafts. Um, you know, he's, he's typically on that, that, that first turn there. So for you to get him um, on the turn at the end of the second round going into the third, um, that's, that's some nice value, you know, as well. So I don't yeah. mind it. Um, and, and, you know, this all, this goes back to our very first conversation. I remember our podcast, you know, recapping last year's draft, talking about Derrick Henry and yeah. you were on, you and I were the only ones. Everyone gave you a hard time about Derrick Henry, but I was in agreement with you. I was like, man, Derrick Henry, I feel like it's some pretty good value in the third round. Um, and you know, we obviously saw what happened with him kind of got to rub that in everyone's face, you know, all year, uh, you know, all, all throughout last season. So I guess this is kind of the last uh, hurrah on, on kind of, um, you know, calling everyone out for, for giving you a hard time about Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, I appreciate that because, you know, I got to rub it in their faces with another championship title. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it felt good to see my – I was really, really high on Derrick Henry and it felt good to see it pay off last year. And even better, I got him at such a value last year that I got to pull that right over into this year. Yeah, you um, had um, some really interesting kind of picks going into the back end of your draft, though, too. So, I mean, this seemed like kind of out of character for a draft uh, for you, at least. Um, I was I was definitely a little surprised with Corden Sutton. I saw you, you know, matched him up with Drew Locke there just in case – you know, I guess something happens with either Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of looking on the back end. Like, you went – I thought what really stuck out was the Mike Williams pick at 11. And, you know, I think he is hurt right now, right? He's pretty questionable or up in the air to even start the season. What was the logic behind Mike Williams going in the 11th? Uh, just value. Um, he has a two- to four-week injury, I believe. Um it's not season ending and Mike Williams last year with a guy that couldn't throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield still put up wide receiver three numbers. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in him this year with Tyrod Taylor under center, but you know, I don't know. Honestly, I can't really defend it that much. I liked (laughs) Mike Williams a lot. I just was hoping for the best. He's my fourth receiver. And I liked a lot of the late round receivers. So I figured he's a guy who has a pretty high ceiling, very low floor. So I, he, I feel like somebody or some, somebody that I could take a chance on. I just, for me, um, you know, I think he's a pretty good player, but he's had his health issues. So he's had trouble just staying on the field here in general. And, um, you know, he's also kind of, in my opinion, a victim of circumstance. You know, it's not like, you know, the Chargers went from an upgrade from Phillip Rivers to Tyler Taylor by any means. Um, and, you know, even though Phillip Rivers was obviously a shell of his former self last year. But, I mean, Tyler Taylor, and you know, in, in that same breath like Justin Herbert, um, you know, it's not like, you know, even if he comes in on the back half of the season, we're not going to be lighting up the, the, fantasy, the fantasy scoreboard as well. So um, I thought that was kind of, Relatively questionable. Brandon Ayuk is a really interesting pick um, for me. I think with, um, you know, with Debo Samuel, it looks like Debo is coming back, but um, that actually might be able to help Ayuk more than anything. Um, and he's just kind of a, a very similar player in the sense that uh, he brings a lot of, a lot more speed to that offense and kind of, you know, opens it up a little bit more as well. So 
Um, for the 14th, I think he was a pretty good value play. Um, and I am a big fan of Michael Pittman. He just didn't drop to the spot that I, I was looking for him at. So, Yeah, Pittman, I knew going to the draft, that's somebody I really, really wanted. Um, the Colts, I mean, when they took him in the beginning of the second round, there was no doubt that he was the guy that was going to replace Paris Campbell and be their number two. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that he is in that offense right from the get-go, and I think he could outperform T.Y. Hilton this year. Have you seen the pictures of uh, A.J. Dillon's quads? Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> that guy is massive. And I don't – I mean, obviously, you know, Aaron Jones is the is the guy to beat in that backfield right now, but um, he's certainly a guy that could vulture a couple uh, – I mean, I think he hurts the value of Aaron Jones more than, like, helps yes. from a fantasy perspective from himself as a player. Um, but if something happened, you know, injury-wise to Aaron Jones – then A.J. Dillon becomes a much more fantasy-relevant player. Absolutely. And the Packers keep keep putting pushing on the love of A.J. Dillon. Um, it almost makes it seem like they're going to let Aaron Jones walk here in the near future and that this could be the guy they're trying to groom to be their running back moving forward. Now, I don't think he's taking the starting job, but if Aaron Jones um, gets hurt or something and A.J. Dillon comes in and lights it up, there's that opportunity for him to not let go of that job. So uh, in the 16th round, I mean, that's kind of all I was hoping for. Yep. Really, I just had McCaffrey and Henry as my running backs. With those guys, I'm starting them every single week, and I just wanted to get their handcuffs and hopefully never let go of that running back situation. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say with Reggie uh, Bonifan, um, so – I, I actually thought I heard some reports uh, come out today that he might have lost that backup job to Mike Davis. but um, So that's a situation to monitor, although he's also Mr. Irrelevant for the uh, fantasy draft here. So, um, But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think with A.J. Dillon, just kind of, you know, recapping that as well, um, you know, just in, in general with him, if something did happen to Aaron Jones, he becomes fantasy relevant. Jamal Williams is still in the picture. Um, but I'd much rather have AJ Dillon versus Jamal Williams. We all we all know what you know what kind of commodity Jamal Williams is, and it's you know kind of not a whole lot. So right. um, you know, there's a reason why the Packers went and, and got a guy like Dillon. So exactly. um, anything else to add on your team here? Um, two things. Uh, I did think I got pretty good value on both my quarterbacks. Um, Deshaun Watson, I had ranked as the fourth best quarterback. In this fantasy draft, he went as the fifth best, um, which isn't bad. I had him one spot ahead of Dak Prescott, actually. The other three, Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Russell, I had ahead of him, which, damn you, we'll get to your draft, but I'm really frustrated with you for getting Mahomes and Kyler Murray. That is pretty dope in a two-quarterback league. Um, but then Baker Mayfield, I got him in the seventh round after, what, like 10, 12 quarterbacks at least? And I had Baker Mayfield in the top seven quarterbacks. On my yeah. List. yeah, you came in on the at the end of that quarterback run in the seventh round there. Um, and again, we do a two quarterback league. So um, in comparison to a lot of our other seasons, um, I was surprised. I was the only one kind of drafting quarterbacks earlier and everyone really held off. So I thought that was um, comparatively speaking towards some of our other seasons. Um, kind of fascinating in that sense. I think the quarterback runs 
are always dictated by how we're drafting the platform we're drafting on and when it starts to show the first quarterbacks on the list, because you can tell uh, very quickly once quarterbacks names start showing up on that, like top available players list, they start flying off. So I knew Mahomes was going to go early, but I really, I thought he was going to go a lot earlier than where you got a middle of the second rounds. And nobody picked a quarterback after that until the fourth, which was shocking to me. That's yeah. I mean, that was, I was the, I believe I was the, um, the next person to pick a quarterback. Uh, after Mahomes. It was Dennison. <laughs> Dennison went Dak, Lennon, Russell Wilson, and then you, Kyler Murray, and then me, Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah, I'm missing, yeah, I'm missing, sorry. I'm missing which, that, which is uh, crazy to me. I, I love Kyler Murray. I'm, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. So I was kind of surprised to see Dak go ahead of him, but. Dak is has his own merits for being picked with a great O line and a bunch of receivers there. Um, yeah, I just want to make one note uh, to the league. I took a lot of heat from Dennison for taking Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield back to back. As I am a notorious Browns, um, I guess hater would be the closest word to describe it. I do not like the Browns. Um, more so, as Dennison did clarify, it's more so the players, not the team. I really don't like Odell Beckham. I did not like, still really don't like Baker Mayfield. But I've learned in the past couple of years that you have to just put your likes and dislikes aside and separate that from skill set and value in a draft if you want to win. So I had to do that and pick Baker Mayfield. I think it's a great selection skill-wise. I don't like the guy, but... He seemed like the right decision. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good spot for it. Um, so, you know, I, I probably would have gone to a different quarterback, but to pair him up with Jarvis Landry, that's not a bad not a bad mix there. Um, you can never go wrong with Deshaun Watson either. So, um, a lot of weapons in that that Texans offense. So, but so we'll uh, we'll go ahead and, and move on to, to Tackett's team here. So I felt like. You know, just Tackett getting Saquon, obviously, um, number two, pretty standard. Um, you know, obviously, it's not, you know, DeAndre Hopkins going at the end of the second round. You know, that was, I think you mentioned, you know, he was one of the guys that you were looking at there. And I just felt like that was, you know, for a guy that's normally going at the beginning of the second, uh, some nice value there as well. Yeah. Uh, Tackett's first three picks were pretty stellar. Um I was definitely disappointed because he did snag Hopkins right out from in, from <laughs> from in front of me, and I was forced to take Travis Kelsey, which isn't bad either. But I think him starting with Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Hopkins and his first quarterback being Drew Brees, that's a really nice setup. And George Kittle. George Kittle's a top-two tight end. Yep. Yeah, so he kind of went the same approach as you and just making Kittle kind of his, like, you know, wide receiver one here. Um, but, I mean, it – He's really, you know, he had great value in DK Metcalf, which afforded him some of that flexibility um, on the front end of his draft. So, you know, it just goes to show if you can get a guy deep, you know, the year prior, that can really set you up the following year. Uh, So DK Metcalf in the 13th really helped him out and being able to, you know, just go grab Kittle and lock down that tight end spot. Because, you know, if you don't get one of these top tight ends here, it can be a struggle. Like, you know, we've all kind of been in that position before where it's just like, 
you know, trying to week to week find one, it's, it's such a headache. And that can be a difference maker, um, especially in a full PPR, um, it, you know, trying to fill that spot and keep up with the other guys that do have the Kelsey's and the Kittles of the world. So, um, you know, that, that, that's always kind of a nice, nice luxury to have. I just, you know, for me, like Jonathan Taylor, um, that's, that's the pick that stands out, I think, in, in some of his first several picks that I'm kind of leery on. You know, I'm, I, I think Jonathan Taylor, from a skill standpoint, is a really good player. Um, but I, I think they do want to try and, especially with COVID, you know, not having a preseason, you know, I, I think yeah. that kind of is a knock on a lot of these rookies here. Um, and they, you know, with Marlon Mack going into his last year, might want to just squeeze everything they got out of Mack here as well. So that's kind of my concern with Taylor. I think he's going to be a really good player. He's a guy that, you know, next year, there's probably a little bit of keeper value there, um, a little bit, maybe a third or a second next year. But um, I'm a little concerned about his production levels, you know, going into going into this year and how long that might take for him to really settle into that offense. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with what you just said, and that's what made me leery of Jonathan Taylor overall um, is because the Colts, it's not like Marlon Mack's a bad player. Every time Marlon Mack is healthy and playing, he's – dynamic he does it all he's fantastic but let's think about the fact that you have that guy that Jonathan Taylor has to overcome and it's not like Naeem Hines isn't there anymore the dude still catches the ball so yeah there's a lot of mouths in Indy great offensive line a great offense to have a running back in but does he have the running back who's going to be the starter all year long and get all the touches that he needs to perform at that fourth round value I don't know and it, it like, you know, I don't, it, the other thing, too, is, you know, these rookie running backs, a lot of times they lose their these, these snap counts because they don't know how to, how to pass block in the NFL. That's yeah. something that, like, it, it's one of the biggest difference, difference makers for running backs going from college to the league um, is learning how to pass block, especially, you know, on the fly when they have all these checks at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, that's probably the other thing is he might just lose some of those snap counts to a guy that, you know, has been in this offense for over three years now. So. Um, and then I'm just looking in general, like, you know, I really didn't love um, the rest of this draft, to be honest. And, like, again, DK Metcalf, great value. Um, but just, like, across the board, um, just wasn't in love with a lot of the other picks that, that he had made here. Um, I felt like Gallup was a little too high. And then, you know, I think John Brown has some potential. Um, but, but, again, just kind of, like, looking on the back half of this draft, too, wasn't really a fan of a lot of these picks. I am right on board with what you're saying. After the Drew Brees pick in the fifth round, I'm lost. Um, obviously, like you said, his keeper was great value with Metcalf. But Danny Dimes is his number two QB. I don't really feel too great about that. And then his – with the Gallup pick and John Brown and Christian Kirk as his other receivers – uh, those guys would really have me worried about, you know, my wide receiver three, definitely. Yeah. And then the, the running backs he got, James White and Jordan Howard, I don't have a lot of faith in those guys doing much. So I, I didn't understand the back half of his draft. Um, he started real hot first five rounds, but we'll, we'll see how this pans out. He kind of has, like, a lot of good, like, DFS plays. Like, a lot of these guys <laughs> yeah. are, like, one-week plays. Um, you know, where, like, a guy like James White can just all of a sudden have, like, 12 catches in a game. Or, um, you know, Daniel Jones just out of nowhere puts up a 30-point game. So, um, you know, there's just, like, a lot of guys that could, 
you know, go into some a couple blow offs blow up spots, but as far as like kind of having that consistent team week to week, uh, it makes me a little nervous. So um, we'll go into um, who is Rona for this is um, Carl. Carl, okay. What do we think about Carl's team here? I'm really perplexed at why he kept Michael Thomas, uh, but I don't know. Maybe he would have drafted him there anyways. He has a number three overall pick, kept Michael Thomas in the first round. That kind of seems like a waste of a keeper, but I don't know. It, it is what it is. Maybe he would have still drafted him there and it wouldn't have made a difference. I don't know. Um, but Carl kind of went a little haywire with his picks. Um, let's start with the fact that his RB – one and two are Melvin Gordon and Devin Singletary. What do you think about that, Mark? Um, well, for me, so I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I don't – it's kind of a head-scratcher. You know, you got the third overall pick. And CMC, Saquon, and Zeke Elliott are all guys that um, are available. So it's just like if you got the third pick, you're getting one of those guys. I'm not taking, you know, Michael Thomas over one of those guys um, at running back. It just, you know, you need that value at running back if you can get it. So I didn't really understand that. Um, you know, if he had the 12th pick and right at the turn, then that makes a lot more sense, obviously. But Melvin Gordon, for me, um, I like him. I think he's a good player. Um, Denver is just going to be in some situations. They're definitely going to have some games where, you know, I, I just think it's going to take some time for that offense to really kind of evolve here. So, um, you know, Melvin Gordon, he's going to get his numbers, but um, I don't think he's going to outperform where he drafted him by any means. And um, But I do think that um, Juju is going to have a, a, a bounce back here. So I like him in the, at the end of the – or at the beginning of the third. Um, Devil, Devin Singletary for me – I think he's decent value with who was on the board at that time, I believe, right? So, because you were – was that at the end of the fourth or beginning? That was the that was the end of the fourth, right? So, um, that was the end of the fourth. So, Devin Singletary at the end of the fourth, I think it's pretty good value. Zach Moss is certainly – you know, you got to keep an eye out for him. Um, but I think Singletary, Singletary is still the guy. You know, he's definitely has some health – uh, issues, but um, I just like, you know, again, I, I would have much rather have gotten, you know, Zeke in that one spot and then, you know, drafted a wide receiver where he got Singletary. Uh, plenty of guys on the board at that point still um, where you can get a pretty good receiver that, you know, isn't going to put up Michael Thomas numbers, but, you know, will um, will put up some respectable wide receiver one numbers. So, um you know, I guess we'll see what happens, but uh, maybe he just felt like Michael Thomas is just going to have a, another ridiculous year. Yeah, I think he might have honestly forgotten where he was drafting from. Like, I don't know if he knew that he was drafting in the three hole, which everybody should have known at that time. Um, but I don't know if he did when he made his keeper selection. So maybe that had an impact as well. Um, but moving down his draft board, his first quarterback is Tom Brady and his second is Joe Burrow. Um, I think he's going to have some serious issues there. Tom Brady, not so much. Joe Burrow, 1,000% is going to be a problem for him, especially when he took him ahead of guys like Matt Stafford and Cam Newton. He just, for me, like, when I look at the guys that he drafted, there are some guys on his team that I like, 
but he just reached on a lot of guys. Like, I like Tom Brady if you can get him in the 11th round, right, or the 10th round, um, but he got him in the 5th. Uh, you know, I like, I like for instance, Blake Jarwin, um, but he drafted him in the 10th. He probably could have got him in the 12th or the 13th. Um, so they're just they're, – there are guys on his team that, you know, I don't mind, uh, but I just felt like he consistently reached, and I, and I just – I feel like that's not a formula to, you know, ultimately be successful. You still have to, you know, the, you sometimes you reach for guys when you really like them, but you also want to make sure you can grab, you know, guys that are roughly going for that ADP or around that ADP to, um, you know, get good value too. So, um, and get the production that you need at the end of the day. Um, and I'm, I'm not a fan of the Joe Burrow pick either. Um, again, another reach that, you know, maybe he could have gotten um, in the twelfth round versus the seventh. So, right, and this is the this is kind of the recipe of the John League right here at its finest. A lot of guys really excited in the moment. They just saw a hometown favorite for a lot of these people in our league. Of Baker Mayfield just got drafted. Carl's from Cincinnati. He's like, I, he literally said at the time, he's like, "Fuck it, picks Joe Burrow." So <laughs> you know, that's where you see the hometown favorite come into play. And overdrafting due to excitement, um, you can't blame it too much. It's just not going to pan out all that well for you in the regular season. I thought um, another guy that I don't think is going to have – he might have like a one or two good couple weeks, but Sammy Watkins is another guy that just – he picked in like the ninth, probably could have gotten in like the 14th um, or the 13th. So it just uh, a, kind of a consistent reach throughout the draft. And I just feel like that's going to hurt him, you know, long-term here. So, Yeah, I think he's going to be really bailed out on his bad um, wide receiver three picks in the forms of Sammy Watkins, D.D. Westbrook, and potentially even Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd might be decent, but I think the guy who's going to come through and be his weekly wide receiver three is Jerry Judy. I, You, you do say that you think there's going to be some time for that Denver offense to start clicking, and I agree with Corona right now. It is hard for all these new guys to get together and practice and get the hang of things. But potential-wise, I think Denver's got a top-five offense in the NFL. I absolutely love their offense. It's just will – A top-five, you said, potentially? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> really? I not, Yeah, I, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't um, – I think Drew Locke is solid, but I – you know, he's uh, in my opinion, he just doesn't look like that elite kind of quarterback. Um, you know, a lot of athletic players on that team, but um, I just, for, you know, I, I don't see it. Um, I really don't. And I think that Noah Fant is like kind of an overrated tight end. Like he got a lot of Oof. work last year, but he also dropped a ton of football. So um, there, there's a few issues on that offensive line as well. I believe there's a one or two offensive linemen that is sitting are sitting out this year because of COVID as well. Um, so I just, especially at least for this year, um, I don't see them, you know, even being a top 15 offense. See, I think Noah Fant eventually will be like a low-level George Kittle. He, he plays a lot of the same ways. They went to the same college. You know, they played in the same scheme. He has that super um, – he, he is a receiver – before he is a blocking tight end. I can see it eventually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, He really, really was a disappointment last year with the drops, like you said. But when he didn't drop the ball, he had some incredible games where he went over 100 yards receiving, multiple touchdowns. 
breaking tackles right and left. The speed was on display. He's got some serious talent. He just needs to work on his fundamentals of the NFL before he reaches his uh, his top top potential there. From my understanding, they just have some offensive line issues that um, when you have a lot of new guys, rookies, a young quarterback in the mix too, um, that's not a good recipe. So um, their defense didn't get any better really. So um, for me, I'm just kind of out on Denver in general. So Interesting. Um, As you can see, we have varying opinions due to the fact that I drafted, I think, three uh, Denver offensive players. So I, I do understand where you're coming from, though, and it does have me a little hesitant now on that with the offensive line issues. But we'll see where it, where it goes. Uh, moving on to Nate here. So he lucked out with getting some Zeke Elliott at the <laughs> fourth pick. Um, so that was a great start. And then another pick that I really was hoping I, he would drop to me, it sounded like Jack was on him as well, was James Conner. Um, I thought I had a strong chance of getting James Conner in my um, in my third round pick. Uh, there's a few picks after Nate here. I just feel like for me, he's going to rebound. Um, if you look at the numbers, as long as he stays healthy, this guy produces. He produces like a you know, late round or, you know, running back in the late round, uh, first rounder, early second rounder. Um, and Nate was able to get him, you know, basically early to mid third. So um, big fan of Connor. Um, overall, decent. Uh, I think pretty decent draft here for, for Nate. Yeah. I mean, Nate's draft. I love his receivers, love his running backs. I mean, studs. Um Kareem Hunt, I do not understand the pick. I don't understand the Kareem Hunt love. I really don't. Um, but then where, where I really run into an issue with this team is at the quarterback position. Matt Stafford, okay, great. QB2 is either Derek Carr or Sam Darnold. Um, fuck that. <laughs> I would never, ever want to be looking at those two as my QB2. But yeah. everywhere else on his roster, he got Hunter Henry in the 10th. That is a steal. Everywhere else on his offense, I love it. See, I, I'm not um, – again, I think Hunter Henry, uh, physical specimen, but um, he's got injury issues. Uh, the Chargers offense, I don't like investing in right now. We have no idea what's going to happen with that offense. You know, he could have a couple good weeks at the beginning of the season, I think, especially with Tyrod Taylor, um, a lot of rollouts. So I, I think Hunter Henry has some early season value, but – um, for me, I just feel like getting into the mid end, uh, the mid you know part of the season and the back half of the season, especially approaching the fantasy playoffs, um, he makes me a little nervous there, just from a injury perspective and you know also from a just overall outlook with that offense. Um, and I agree with you, Stafford, solid at QB one, but then you know you got to make that decision whether you're playing Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, or just another position player at that point in that flex spot. So um, that's going to be kind of a headache for him, I would say, all year round. And I've gone through that before, too. I've actually had Darnold, Carr, and other position players in previous seasons, and it does not work. Um, yep. So <laughs> it's just not it's not a fun position to be in when you have to watch Sam Darnold as your super flex play. So, But – I think Chris Herman was a solid um, backup there uh, at tight end. I think he could get some numbers um, just from, you know, if, if the Jets get blown out a lot, he's going to get some garbage time catches, everything else. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Debo Samuel, he could be a 
you know, that he could really come through. Um, so I like, you know, definitely agree with what you say about his receivers. I think he's got some nice receiver depth in Chris Godwin, Galladay, Woods, and Debo here. Um, and he doesn't Preston have to play Williams. Debo right away. Yeah. Yeah, and Preston Williams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love his receiver core. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, he – it's just the quarterbacks that really worry me, honestly. But we'll see. Um, maybe he can overcome it. Yep. Uh, moving on to Caleb's team here. So, you know, Tyreek Hill, kind of, you know, definitely kind of a shitty pick here for that first round. Um, but he's still a guy that's going to produce. He's in the Chiefs offense. He's going to put up some 30 spots throughout the season. So it's not going to hurt him. And I'm not a fan of Fournette. I just think, you know, especially hearing some of the, you know, what's coming out of that Jaguars training camp. You know, it sounds like he's actually going to be sharing a good amount of time with Chris Thompson here. Um, and even when Chris Thompson gets hurt, you know, I think they want to work in some of those other running backs as well. So Fournette, I think Fournette too, just from like a personal perspective, is he's looking ahead at his career right now. Um, and he's looking forward to not being with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think he's like totally okay with not having a heavy workload this season. Um, as shitty as, as that sounds as like a teammate perspective goes. Uh, but I just think that's kind of where his, his mindset's at right now. Yeah. A hundred percent Fournette. He seems like a, uh, he's got some personal issues off the field that, um, with the, with the coaching staff, he seems to always be a problem for teams. Um, I don't think it was a horrible pick from the perspective of where Caleb was in that draft. And also considering the fact that Dennis and I were drafting for him, we didn't want to have his team suck. Um, but I think I would prefer Fournette over Melvin Gordon, not James Connor per se. Um, but when you really look at Caleb's team, Tyreek Hill, Allen Robinson and Hollywood Brown. I do not mind those receivers at all. And then you have his quarterbacks is Matt Ryan and Cam Newton which I really like that quite a bit. And his tight end is Mark Andrews. So um, overall, this is probably a better team than Caleb's had in a long time out of a draft. I think so. And Caleb normally makes some decent uh, moves, like free agency moves throughout the year. Um, I actually don't mind the, um, as crazy as it looks with the Stidham uh, pick there in the 17th. I mean, I would have rather have gotten him in the, you know, the very last round, but um you know, they still haven't announced the starter in New England yet. So, and, like, there is a decent chance that, you know, Cam Newton coming in year one can't doesn't pick up that Patriots offense right away. Like, Bill Belichick has no allegiance. He does not give a fuck. Like, he, if, <laughs> if Cam Newton doesn't have, doesn't have that offensive system completely figured out, like, you know, from first page to last, like, Bill Belichick will start Stidham if that is the case. So, and no one really knows what's like what's happening with that right now because number one, the Patriots are so you know behind closed doors kind of thing, and number two, like there's no preseason. You know, we're literally just relying on camp reports. So, and beat writers, and beat writers, you know, sometimes they have very insightful information. Other times, they are completely wrong. So, um. You know, I don't mind that. And then just in general, like decent team, 
I think, you know, Ronald Jones, again, not a big fan in the sixth, but he's in the Buccaneers offense. So, you know, if he does, you know, finally come through this year, that could be a nice spot um, to have another running back at. But, I mean, he's got Fournette who has injury issues. Again, I don't think he's going to have a strong workload. Ronald Jones, those are his, you know, his his two running backs, right? So, um, that's what makes me nervous about his team is his lack of running back depth and just running back talent in general. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. We tried to make this as Caleb of a team as we possibly could have with these selections. I think it kind of shows a little bit. Um the lack of the running back, too, is a little – I don't think Dennis and I really realized how fast the running backs went until we got to the sixth round and realized that Rojo was the best available. Um, but I think Caleb's going to like this team. He's going to be able to do something with it, win some games, maybe make a trade here or there, and um, things will fall fall into place for Caleb. Yeah, I think he's got some depth plays where he, he might be able to make a couple moves, too, so – um, we'll move on to Jack's team here. So I think another really good draft here for Jack just in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, the highlight of his draft is really before the draft started with Lamar. You know, he has Lamar from last year, um, who he picked in the seventh. So um, Lamar is, was unbelievable last year, obviously. Um, kind of outperformed what everyone was really expecting. And um, to have him in the seventh round, is just a, a huge leg up. Um, another pick that I really liked um, that I was hoping would drop a little bit more was A.J. Brown. So, you know, I think he, his name kind of gets lost in the shuffle because he's in one of these run-heavy offenses, but um, they still got mouths to feed in the passing game. And A.J. Brown is – I'm not a big Corey Davis fan. Um, you know, you got Jonu Smith, but you lost uh, Delaney Walker here. So – there's targets to go around and not a whole lot of um, guys to share those targets. I think AJ Brown is going to produce and is a pretty safe play in my opinion, um, especially for where he got him at in the fifth round there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, this is, this is frustrating because Jack's Jack's draft is phenomenal. Um, this is, this is like the dream team, honestly, looking at it. I wish that this was my team. Um, I'm, I'm really frustrated. So in the second round, when I had to pick Travis Kelsey, the other guy I was deciding between were Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham at that spot. And Jack gets Odell Beckham in the middle of the fourth round. So that is so frustrating to get value like that. Um, and then Todd Gurley, we don't really know what's going to happen there in Atlanta with Todd, how much, what exactly he's going to do. What we do know is he'll perform at at least an RB2 value, I think. Um, and then the, the only only weak spot I really see on this team is um, the tight end at Higby. Not, a, not the biggest fan of that. And possibly Jared Goff at QB2. But when your QB1 is Lamar Jackson, you can pretty much have anybody at QB2. Yeah, I mean, he could have some super flex issues, but like – I think he makes up for that just with, you know, the rest of his team and Julio and Odell and A.J. Brown. I think Odell, in my opinion, um, this is why I was shocked with one of your picks with Jarvis Landry. Uh, he's got some, you know, hip issues still. And I know Jarvis Landry has that chemistry with Baker, but 
Um, I think he might be kind of turning a corner as far as his career goes um, or turning on into a, a decline here, in my opinion. And I think everyone kind of has just overlooked Odell because of the, you know, slow start with Cleveland. But um, I think from where he's drafting him at, last year was the complete floor for Odell. So um, I'm expecting an increase in production. And I think getting him, you know, especially in the fourth round uh, is a pretty good spot. And then Todd Gurley, I mean, he, that's kind of just like old faithful for him. He just always seems to be the guy that ends up getting him. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Todd Gurley. You know, but if Todd Gurley can stay out there for the most part throughout the year, at the end of the day, he's going to put up, you know, early, you know, early second round numbers if he can play every single game. That's a big if. But if Todd Gurley plays the entire season, he's going to have 1,100 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns. So, um, you know, that that's when he has Alvin Kamara to complement that, he's in a pretty good spot. He just, if Todd Gurley gets hurt, I think he is in kind of a compromising position with Swift, Dobbins, Justin Jackson, LaShawn McCoy. Those aren't like amazing options um, as kind of like a fallback there. So, no, and he's clearly a lot higher on J.K. Dobbins than I think pretty much everybody out there. Um, I mean, Jacob Do- J.K. Dobbins is a good player. It's just we don't know. Like what, you know, what, what kind of, um, like what's going to happen between him and Mark Ingram this year? Who knows? Yeah. What, what we do know is out of the gate, there's no way JK Dobbins is a hundred percent a workhorse. There's no way that, you know, between Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and even justice Hill there, there's no way JK Dobbins is getting 80% or more of the carries. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I really have a tough time envisioning, Mark Ingram not being the well, not not many guys get eighty percent or more of the carries. I mean, like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, the two guys that you have are like the two guys that get eighty <laughs> percent of the carries in any offense. So, um, yes. and maybe Zeke. So uh, Zeke, Saquon, CMC, Saquon, Zeke, and Derrick Henry are like the only four guys here with that kind of you know volume. So, I mean, like. You know, uh, it, it would be nicer if Dobbins was in Mark Ingram's position. Um, and there's probably a, a certain point in the season where that shifts, right? So maybe his thought process is, hey, if Gurley can get me half, you know, through that first half of the season, um, you know, maybe Dobbins is ready by the time Gurley's knees start falling apart here. So that's kind of like what I could see is like, and then Swift is like almost like, even though he had to draft Swift a little bit higher, like it's fallback. Like if that plan doesn't work, you know, I'll have a guy that's at least getting, you know, a partial workload in, in Swift as well. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. think that was kind of his mindset there with that. Which which makes a lot of sense when you phrase it that way, because Gurley does have a tendency to break down midway. Um, like you said before, though, I think it'll be interesting to see how long it takes rookies to get into the swing of things with there not really being a pre. Well, there is no preseason and an extremely shortened summer um, OTAs and, and all of that. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how long it takes for rookies to even have any sort of role on their offense. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a lot of rookies on his team. So um, but uh, so I guess we'll move on. That, you know, that, that kind of is a good segue into my team here. So <laughs> I've got on my team, I, I'm, I'm a little weary about it. Like, I, I like it. Um, like, I like it on paper, but – I just have, there's a lot of question marks. Like 
I, I told myself, like, for a lot of drafts this year, I don't want to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, in this kind of position. But I knew that, especially in this uh, – in the seven spot, like, that's a position I had to kind of consider. Um, so I went with Clyde Ed- Edwards-Hilaire in the first, and um, we'll see how it goes. But he's in the Chiefs offense. So um, if he lives up to the hype, you know, in that seven spot, that's pretty decent. And then I didn't take another running back until, you know – the sixth round, so in Cam Akers. And so we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, but, like, Cam Akers is supposed to be the starter. Um, grabbed his, you know, Darrell Henderson as kind of um, later in the draft to give myself a little bit of an insurance policy. So Henderson, for some reason, takes that role, especially with him being a rookie. I have that already, so I can kind of, you know, run with that and, you know, monitor that situation. I don't have to worry about, you know, finding a guy. Um, so, and then for me, I kind of went a little non-traditional here and just went quarterbacks early. Um, it's something that I kind of held off on in previous seasons, but I just felt like in this league and super flex, you know, if I can get two guys that are putting up 25, 30 spots on a week to week basis, that puts myself in a really, really good position. So um, I had DJ Moore in the fifth as a nice value guy uh, as like kind of like a wide receiver too already. And so I just felt like, you know, might as well go after, you know, a couple of elite quarterbacks who are going to put up some great numbers here early in the draft. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's the complete opposite of what you've ever done in a draft um, in this league. And I think it's been your demise in, a, in previous seasons is the fact that you've lacked a strong QB2. Um, and specifically referenced earlier that season where you were using Derek Carr and Sam Darnold. That was your, that was your demise, I think, was the fact that you didn't have that strong QB2. So going with Mahomes and Kyler Murray, who are two of the top three available quarterbacks, puts you in a really good position to open up the year. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I personally would prefer Nick Chubb over Hilaire, but the ceiling of Hilaire is higher than possibly anybody but McCaffrey and Barkley in this draft. Um, What also comes with that, though, is the risk-reward, which you don't know (laughs) I, there's a lot of unknowns going on in Kansas City and what kind of role Clyde could have, I guess. We don't know for certain, but I think that was a pretty good pick. It'll pan out for you. Um, I just – yeah, like and, – and kind of elaborating on that too, like I was considering Chubb as well, but I just – and Chubb's a great player, but like um, it kind of goes back to Kareem Hunt. I know we talked about him kind of being like a question mark option for Nate at where he picked him, but um, – I don't really like Kareem Hunt as a fantasy asset in and of himself, but I think he is kind of definitely like a thorn in, in Chubb's side because he's going to line up a lot for the passing game. Um, you know, he came in, you got to remember, like, you know, he came in second half of the season, right? Or, or later in the season um, and was actually more effective than some of us thought he would be. And so he, Kareem Hunt himself, if he is a starting running back, and doesn't isn't sharing time with another really good player would be, you know, a first three round kind of running back. So, you know, for me, I just feel like Chubb, his workload, like we talk about, you know, running back shares and trying to get that guy that is 70, 80% of the you know touches in the backfield. Uh, I just felt like Chubb for my first round pick, isn't really going to get that, you know, the, the share of touches that I would be looking for. So um, that was kind of my, my thought process. Go off to the guy that, 
you know, especially with Damian Williams, um, you know, not, not being in the, in the picture here, really, you know, we're talking about a guy that's going to get a heavy or is expected to get heavy workload and the best offense in the league. So, uh, or arguably the best offense in the league. So that was kind of my thought process. I mean, you, you really want to have exposure to this Chiefs offense and you have the quarterback and the running back. So on the highest scoring offense in the league, besides maybe the Ravens, I don't know. It's one of those two. I mean, that's pretty damn good spot to be in. Um, your receivers, I don't know about. I've never been the biggest Adam Thielen fan, and I don't know about you. I'm really curious what his role is, whether he's on the outside or in the slot now that Justin Jefferson – is there because Jefferson's a slot receiver um, and Thielen has been notoriously better, a lot better in the slot than on the perimeter. So I'm curious to see how that works, um, what they decide there. And I'm curious how it works with Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins together. They didn't perform well at all last year when it was the two of them. Um, but that could just take some time to adjust to the offense and get in rhythm with, with each other. Um, Cam Akers waiting for your RB2 until round six is super risky, but I definitely think you got the best option there. Um, because Akers, I, I really like the prospects of him and wrapping that up with uh Henderson there to ensure that you have the starter for the Rams is, is a good call to me. And then you have Marlon Mack, who we just talked about, we think he's going to be the starter for the first few weeks minimum. Yeah, I, I, I kind of tried to get some sneaky guys towards the back end. Marlon Mack, um, I just felt like, you know, um, if things don't work out with Cam Akers, uh, Darrell Henderson, you know, if that complete situation just goes south there, I got a guy on, in Mack. Um, and also Tariq Cohen. They remember that David Montgomery, Montgomery is not going to be fully healthy here, um, and he's kind of already battling some injury issues going into the start of the season. So um, I just felt like for me, Dylan and DJ Moore I can trust. Um, I think that I don't, I'm not worried about Thielen. He's going to get his work. Um, he's going to get even more touches than he did last year with the departure of Stephon Diggs. You know, Justin Jefferson is a guy, a guy that uh, will get his his share uh, of, of targets. But um, and I think Je- Jefferson's a good player. Um, so I think that'll also keep things opened up for Thielen here. Um, but I think, you know, him being a rookie, Thielen will take on a little bit of a heavier responsibility. And then McLaurin, um you know, I, I would disagree, man. Like, as a rookie, um, he came in and balled out. Like, he did really well. Um, and he might not have, like, the best fantasy numbers by any means, but um, he made some great plays. Uh, he looked like a good he's – a, he's a good player. Um, and so he's, he's clearly got a little bit of chemistry as well. So he's, like, the lone bright spot, in my opinion, with that Washington offense. But I just felt like Sterling Shepard is kind of a guy that is overlooked as um, your wide receiver one in, in New York. And so a guy that I can get in that wide receiver one spot uh, or as a wide receiver one, not in fantasy, but just in real life in the 10th round, um, I think that's a lot of value. So and then getting Hardman, you know, from from the Chiefs as well, just kind of trying to stack up on Chiefs as much as possible here. So um, there's certainly some risks, especially at my running back position, I feel like. Um, but I but I, I tried to target some strong offenses and get quarterbacks early. Uh, to try and, you know, keep my floor up as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to Kemper, though. So obviously Carson in the first, you know, in my opinion, that sucks. Um, but Carson, like, he's going to be a guy that is going to put up great numbers. So, 
Um, for me, like he's, he's, you know, talk about like a guy with, you know, a heavy amount of that, that backfield share. Um, you know, he's got, he's going to, he's, he's expected to have a lot um, of that backfield here. So, you know, he might not be your ADP eight guy normally. Um, he's probably more so mid second, right. Um, or end of second, beginning of third, but um, I think he's still going to produce. I don't think he's going to hurt him too much either. No, I don't think so. Um, he was definitely definitely drafted earlier than he should have been. Um, but that's the penalty. And that's the penalty you to. face for not being at the draft, right? <laughs> exactly. That's the penalty you face for the draft, for not showing up on time to the draft. Um, just ask Kuhar. He's taken that a lot. <laughs> so, um, But coming back into the second round and having Mike Evans as your keeper, um, I think put him in a decent spot out of the gate. I do think Godwin is going to outperform Mike Evans again, but I don't think it's a, I, I think Mike Evans is a wide receiver one once again. So um, I don't mind that too much. I think where he's going to really run into issues is at the quarterback position where he's running out there, Josh Allen, Gardner Minshew, and his third option is Dwayne Haskins. Three guys I would feel pretty uncomfortable with, although we saw Josh Allen at a really high level last year. The question is, can he repeat that? Yeah. Yeah, he could have some serious quarterback issues because, you know, Gardner Minshew, same same thing. Like, Gardner Minshew, for a rookie, um, had great numbers. Uh, but, like, again, can he repeat that as well? So, you know, I thought um, – you know, once he joined this draft, his very first pick, once he got into it, was C.D. Lamb. And I thought that was a really good spot to take him there. There's been reports that he's looked like the best receiver in the Dallas receiving group. And that's, you know, not a light thing to say. Um, you know, I just obviously worry about the share. Um, you guys were like all like, oh, he deserves to get Devontae Parker. But I actually, and, and I think Devontae Parker, like, is going to be, He's going to produce. Um, I don't think he's going to repeat exactly what he did last year, but um, he'll produce as a, especially in a full PPR, he's going to get some good volume. Yeah. Devontae Parker, he scores touchdowns and he, he's a good bet for wide receiver two plus numbers. Um, I had him in our league last year. There was, I believe a half point PPR, that other league. And he was awesome. He was, I think he was a top 15 receiver. So not, not a bad spot to get him in in the sixth round here in this league do we think he'll replicate what he did last year um god knows because the guys basically shit the bed his entire career until last year um but if he replicates then he's got a pretty good start at the running back or at the wide receiver position with Devontae parker mike evans and cd lamb and i'm not so sure i believe in cd lamb um as much as what the beat writers in dallas are saying but I do think that Jamison Crowder is a great wide receiver three option if CeeDee Lamb fails. Yeah, I mean, Jamison Crowder um, expected to basically lead that offense in targets. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is another guy. Like, he's got some interesting receiver picks, and I don't think Deshaun Jackson health-wise lasts the entire season. But um, if he can pick and choose his spots appropriately with some of these guys and play them on the right weeks, uh, this team does have potential. There's just a lot. A lot of ifs here, a lot. Um, he's got four tight ends to kind of ensure Gronk here. So that was an interesting <laughs> approach on the back end of the draft. But, um, 
Yeah, and especially David Njoku and his last pick, but everyone's kind of messing around with that last pick anyways right now. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a whole lot of ifs, but um, if all of those ifs convert, then he could be a competitive team for sure. Definitely. Um, so we'll move on to Jimmy here. So obviously he went with his um, his favorite in Chubb. And then, um, I mean, I think Eckler is kind of like the guy that is like a make or break here just yep. because, like, he's expected to get unbelievable volumes. He's expected to get first-round volume. Um, but he's also a guy that, you know, he does get hurt. So um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Austin Eckler. He's a risk, but um, can certainly pay off there. Yeah, I mean, Eckler was an absolute beast last year. Even when Melvin Gordon returned, Eckler still was an RB1. Um, so we'll see how it goes with him now with, one, a different quarterback there, and, two, um, no one to share the workload with him, or do they bring Justin Jackson into the fold even more so and then kind of keep Justin Jackson there and Eckler is the role that he had with Melvin Gordon when he was there? Who knows? Um but where I really get lost with Jimmy is the Tyler Lockett selection. I do not like. I think Tyler Lockett, he, he was really? mostly a flop last year. Yes. So I do think DK Metcalf is the number one there by and far. And Lockett was kind of a distant number two last year for a lot of this season. See, I think Tyler Lockett, like, he's um, he's pretty good. And, and like, for – your second wide receiver, I don't mind that. I think he can – like, he still gets decent volume. DK Macduff is expected to get a little bit more this year. But in general, like, you know, he's with Russell Wilson. So, um, I think last year was a little bit more of what Tyler Lockett's floor looks like. Um, and if you look at it from that angle, I don't mind him um, at the – it looks like he was at the beginning, beginning of the fourth. So, I guess a little – a little high here. Um, so I guess I probably would have waited on him. Definitely not while I'm going after that spot. But um, if I got him a little bit later, I wouldn't be upset about it. I don't like Amari Cooper either. Like, you know, I mean, Amari Cooper, he has some monster games, right? But like, you got one more guy in Lamb. I'm a little bit higher on Lamb, it sounds like, than you are. Um, but just a lot of, again, a lot of mouths to feed. They just played. Uh, you know, gave Blake Jarwin a new contract, so they expect him to be involved in that offense. And I just think, you know, with, with Zeke and everything else going on in that offense, um, to be your third-round pick is just a little too rich for my my face there. See, I don't know. I would have taken Amari Cooper in his spot, I think, if I were him. Um, it, it, it would have been Amari Cooper Odell that I would have taken there, which – Coming back to that, it's really surprising to me that he took Lockett when Odell was still there as a Browns fan. I'm pretty surprised by that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at Jimmy's team, and we have some question marks here for sure. But I don't think this is a bad team at all. This is a team that they could be – he could be bottom three in the league or he could be in the championship. Because um, yeah. looking at his tight ends, he's got 12th round Hayden Hurst, 13 Austin Hooper. Like both those guys – and his quarterbacks, Rodgers, um, had a down year last year. What was he, like a back-end QB1? Um, we, we could potentially see some bounce back from that. And then we've got Jimmy G as his QB2. Not the best option, but still not awful. Um, 
We're not talking Derek Carr awful here. And then, um, yeah, his running backs, Chubb, Eckler, and then Moster is his third option. So I, I don't mind Jimmy's team at all, really. Yeah, and T.Y. Hilton's another guy that um, could, could surprise some people, too, um, with a much better quarterback than what he's kind of dealt with last year. And coming back, hopefully being healthy, um, you know, to get him at the beginning of the eighth, I think there's some good value there as well. He's a guy that um, if he produces and plays the majority of the season, he's really like more so a fourth or fifth round pick. So um, I think that's great value. And then um, Damian Harris is kind of sneaky at running back. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, New England offense, I don't really like messing around with the New England running backs too much. And then lastly, Price Love. Um, I was hoping I, he would drop to me and that 18th round pick there. Again, you know, I don't want to take, have too much stock in Washington in general, but, um, you know, Bryce Love, at the end of the day, he could be a factor in this offense. So to get him for virtually nothing as basically like a free agent, um, it'd be interesting to see if he holds on to him and uh, he, he, he produces for him because uh, he was a good player in college. So we'll see what happens. Um, he's got he's definitely got an iffy team, but another kind of team where, um, like you said, could could be towards that very top if uh, if everything pans out. Um, for Andres here, um, Devontae Adams, fair pick for me in the first round. As far as his running backs goes, I'm pretty good with it. Um, Miles Sanders, Sanders, though, like with the injury, that that's always you know kind of a concern. Um, but uh, I like some of his other running backs that he got and. Um, he, he got Ertz in a really good spot as well. Um, you know, in that, uh, in that fourth, uh, it was a little higher than I thought Ertz would be going at, but, um, you know, Ertz is a guy that like last year was his complete bottom and like, you know, he could have a rebound year where he has like 112 catches, uh, 120 catches. Uh, he, he's literally looking at potentially being like that number one receiver in the offense. So, um, he's a guy that, you know, you put up there with Kelsey and, and Kittle there. Yeah, absolutely. Ertz in the fourth is seems like a steal to me. Um, and I love his running backs. Miles Sanders, David Johnson, and let's not forget his keeper was Kerry, was Kenyon Drake in the eighth round. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, this is one of Andres' better teams. I like the Devontae Adams pick in the first, and this is one of the first years where Andres waited for a quarterback for a long time. And he went with Wentz in the sixth, which I don't mind at all. He waited to get his second, which was Kirk Cousins in the tenth. Um, for what was for that late, Kirk Cousins not a bad pick, not a great, yeah, great guy I to have, but not bad at all. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, then I, even I, Foles too. Yeah, Foles could blow up. I mean, we're looking. Foles is having Allen Robinson as his RB or as his wide receiver one. And then Anthony Miller is no joke. I mean. That we're looking at a Bears passing offense where if they install Nick as the starting quarterback from the get go, they could be successful for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and, and I think the Bears do have the potential for that. Um, and they're going to have the luxury of, again, having that defense put them in some good positions. Mitch Trubisky was so bad last year. Like, all the Bears needed was a guy like Nick Foles on their team last year. Yep. So it's like Nick Foles is accurate enough. Um, he is a guy that can, that he's a true game manager. Um, that's what he is. So, um, just in general, like with Foles, like, I think it's only a matter of time before that is his job. And, you know, it's like Trubisky is a very short leash at this point. So, 
Um, I think the Bears are kind of ready, despite the amount of draft capital they put into him, to kind of move on because of how bad he really was. So um, we'll see what happens. But I think he's, like, in a really good spot with who he picked. Um, Kenyon Drake, a great keeper value. I really like the Will Fuller pick, too. Um, you know, we, we are yet to see this guy finish a season. Um, but he got Will Fuller in, what, I think the seventh round. So – um, for a guy that will pretty much put up like low end wide receiver one numbers, high end wide receiver two numbers in fantasy with the departure of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, he's going to be incredibly valuable until he gets hurt. So uh, it's just, we'll see how long that's, that's like the problem though. Like he's got Fuller and Devontae Adams and then um, just kind of like trash at receiver after that. So um, <laughs> that's probably his weak spot in my opinion. Yeah, and Will Fuller isn't like um, the model for health either. You know, guys always hurt. No, <laughs> which which exactly. is why I took Cobb. You know, Cobb's now there. I took him in the seventeenth round because of the expectation that the top two receivers in uh, in Houston now are Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, two guys that have never been healthy for a full season. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, um, but in that, and that's that's like more of the case for Deshaun Watson too. Like you got Fuller, Cook. Cobb and Stills, all guys that are like pretty darn good. Um, so if you can like at least have like two of those four healthy at any given time, <laughs> you're in a good spot. Right. So. If if they can just stay healthy, you know. Um, that I I agree with you. Where I would be worried with him is wide receiver. After Devontae, things do fall off. Um, if Fuller gets hurt, I like Alan Lazard over Golden Tate. Um, as his wide receiver three right now. Um, but honestly, this team, I, I love Andres' team. This, this is the best team I think I've ever seen him have in a draft. So, which I'm looking, I've said that with basically everybody we've gone through, which is scary. It means, one, I, don't, I haven't done nearly enough fantasy football research to know what, what's standing out between these teams. Or two, that we're just really, really balanced all across the board. I think, like, I think Andres will be kind of, um, you know, I don't want to rag on his team, but I think he's kind of a middle-of-the-road team um, where he's looking at the back end of the playoffs. So um, I, I just think he's got issues in the in the receiver spots uh, that the second Will Fuller goes down, you know, he's going to have, like, that's when, that's when his team is going to start facing some real problems here, um, especially if he has issues, you know, with his other quarterbacks. Because, I mean, like, Carson Wentz is another guy that could get hurt. Um, and if that happens, like, if he loses Wentz and Fuller, he's got some issues in that super flex spot at that point. So, yeah, um, I, I'm not as high on his team as maybe you are, but um, I think his team can definitely, you know, make a little bit of noise, um, be kind of that middle-of-the-road team. Uh, as far as Lennon goes, so Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook, that's a huge, like, for me, like, that's, um, two great running backs to kick off your, your draft with. Um, obviously, you know, like I would have taken Dalvin Cook if I had him in that seventh spot, um, but uh, he was his keeper. So um, not a big fan of Cooper Cup uh, in the third. I just feel like I would go in a couple other directions with who was on the board at that point. Um, but uh, I think the two running backs really put him in a good spot. Roethlisberger, you know, as is. Uh, Six-round pick, I think, hurts him. He's going kind of, you know, based off of emotion there. But, um, you know, he's got a decent team. I think he's also kind of middle of the road with, on, middle of the road with Andres there. 
I agree with middle of the road. Um, love the running backs. What I don't like is the lack of depth. If one of them gets hurt, he's completely screwed because he doesn't have anybody yeah. else. Um, Dalvin Cook's gotten hurt before too, and Aaron Jones. So yeah, exactly. And he doesn't. You know, both of the backups in Green Bay are already owned, and Alexander Madison, the backup to Dalvin Cook's already owned. So he really should have handcuffed. Um, but his wide receivers, there's not a bona fide one, just, just like my team. His team, he had a draft that's very similar to mine in the sense that he went running backs early and then wide receiver kind of fell off for him. Um, Diggs, I do not like at all this year. Um, I think he's, he's headed for a very, very down year from a Diggs I'm perspective. I'm complete opposite of you. I think Diggs is going to be great this year. See, oh, my God. That's funny. I we're, See, we're, we're totally going to disagree 100% on this because I think he's he's with the absolute worst quarterback he could be with. Diggs is like – got to understand, he is a great route runner. Um, and from my understanding, like, he is the, you know, bona fide receiver one in that offense. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, he doesn't want to rely on his legs as much, obviously. And I know he's – Allen's not the best quarterback, but um, Kirk Cousins wasn't, like, the best quarterback either. So, uh, I'm not saying Josh Allen's better than Kirk Cousins either, but, um, you know, with that being said, I think Diggs kind of kind of opens up a lot of opportunity for that offense and makes it a little bit more functional. So, um, I don't know. For me, I just felt like Diggs, very fair, good spot um, in that fifth spot. I don't like Cooper Cup, though. In the, uh, in the Rams offense, you just don't really know um, it's not like that high flying offense that we saw, you know, two years ago here. See, I would rather guys who went after Diggs. I would rather have Keenan Allen or Jarvis Landry, and maybe even in a maybe even Will Fuller over Diggs. See, Diggs is a great route. Runner. I would take. Yeah, we're we're just completely disagree because I would take Diggs over Landry, for instance. Um, every you know, ten out of ten times here. See, Diggs is a great route runner, but Josh Allen is one of the most inaccurate. You know quarterbacks he has real accuracy issues it'll be interesting to see how they work because you're right Diggs is probably the best receiver Allen's worked with so we'll see how they change that offense to fit him a little bit more Um, he is by far the best receiver that he's worked with in my opinion yeah because who is he's really Robert Woods was Robert Woods there for Allen's rookie year no uh I think John John Brown is like the only notable guy I can even think of being there and John Brown is nowhere close to Stephon Diggs. No, no. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's risky. Diggs is risky. There's no no other way to put it than that. I guess. Um, yeah. I I don't see Big don't, Ben though. Like, dude, I don't dislike um, Big Ben as much as you do. As long as he comes back, I don't dislike him. I think he'll have a good year, but I just think in that spot you go in a different direction here you're in you're talking about the sixth round um it's like drafting big ben in like the eighth or ninth in a regular draft so um i just think there was other guys that he could have like he could have got, gotten a cam Akers as a third running back he could have gotten you know um another receiver uh a, a third wide receiver right like and had plenty of other quarterback options, you know, in the very next round. So, um, I just I, I just disagree with where he took him. But I understand yeah. the emotion. So I, I think 
right. I think we understand with this team that there is a lot of talent in the starting roster, but about zero depth. So if they all stay yeah. healthy, it'll be competitive. Um, but like you said with Andres, if injuries start to happen, um, he could be headed for a downward spiral. All right, so let's wrap it up here. We'll hit Dennison, and then we'll just say uh, who we thought had the best and worst. So, um, Dennison, um, solid running backs. Um, I'm not a fan of Joe Mixon. I mean, I think he'll have a decent year this year, but um, I think he has some injury issues right now, I believe. But, um, you know, I just feel like um, Josh Jacobs is pretty solid. Um, decent running backs, right, for where he's picking in those first two spots. And then um, receivers, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of his receivers. Um, A.J. Green is always, like, such a risk. But, like, if A.J. Green is healthy for the entire season, like, he is really good. So, um, I mean, I guess I don't know if he still is really good because we haven't really seen him play for so long. But, um, you know, he's got some good, like, Chark. I don't, I don't, there's a lot of people saying Chark's a bad player and whatever when we were on the Zoom, but um, Chark is really good. So he's like kind of what made Gardner Minshew. So right, Chark is really good. Him, Ridley, um, Edelman at good value, I think. Um, you know, probably just will get a lot of a lot of targets in general. Uh, I like Dennison's team. I just don't love Dennison's team. Um, I don't really like his depth and. You know, Dak Prescott is his first quarterback. Um, good, but then like he's talking about Tannehill, Bridgewater um, as his other two quarterbacks here, which I'm not really in love with either of them. Like I think last year was the best you'll see from Ryan Tannehill. Agreed, agreed. As a Tannehill no- owner, um, I can tell you that Tannehill's production was totally unexpected. The percentage of touchdowns that he threw per, per pass is astonishing. Um, he's not going to replicate it, which I think you hit hit it right on the nail. Like where Dennison's going to run into issues as a team is QB two, and I think at a uh, tight end. I don't know if I feel very good about Darren Waller. Um, not a bad choice by any means to have a tight end, but I think if his team starts to struggle, we'll know where it's going to be at. And I like even even for his backup, like I don't get um, in the industry in general, like where the love is for Mike Gusecki. Like <laughs> he's just like I, I don't know, like I, I don't really see the upside in Mike Gusecki besides like how tall he is. So yeah, um, but like we've already seen him play, so it's not like that helps him that much. And um, I don't know, like the not a whole lot changed with that Miami offense. I guess once Tua comes in and and the keys turn over, but. Like, who knows if they're going to even have any kind of chemistry whatsoever. So, um, I yeah, I'm a little concerned about, especially the tight end position here for him. Um, and, and honestly, like, you know, I think Breda could actually be kind of a little bit of a surprise. But, like, we're talking about, like, guys that are on offenses. Like, there aren't good teams. Right. Like, Josh Jacobs, good player, bad team. Joe Mixon, good player, bad team. Um, even DJ Shark, like, again – um, Darren Waller, uh, it's just like, you know, Matt Burita, Mike Gesicki, like, um, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not sold on. So, um, I just, there's a lot of like, just kind of like, 
you know, mediocre, me, mediocrity with this team that I can't get on board with. So I feel like Denison's like kind of middle of the road here again between him, Andres Lennon, all kind of in that same realm there. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I, yeah, I can't argue that. All right. So let's wrap it up here. Um, give me your best uh, draft and worst drafts here. Oh boy. Um, I mean, I think my best draft is obviously Jack's team. Jack Jack is just – he's been in the championship two years in a row. Um, he's been unfortunate to lose both those years, but I think this could be the year he takes on the title. I really, really, really like this team. Uh, pretty stacked at all aspects minus the tight end. Um, so Jack's going to be my best draft. Worst draft. And your worst? Yeah, maybe, um, maybe just Kemper. Because of, you know, the way it started, not great due to the fact that he missed a lot of the draft. Um, and even when he came back, you know, it was kind of hard to start making up for that. But he picked his defense before anybody else, which I think is an error, um, especially when he was kind of in a hole from the start. So I, I think Kempers would be my, my worst draft. Um, so for me, I'll, I'll agree with you on best draft here with Jack. Um you know, I, I, I do think there is an argument to be said for your team as well. Um, and, and, you know, I also feel like I had a really good draft too, despite, you know, kind of going a very contrarian approach. Um, but I'll go with Jack here as far as best one. And then um, if I had to pick my worst one, um, I'm probably, I, I you're going to like completely disagree with me here, but um, I got to go with Andres. I don't, I'm just not a big fan of his team here. Um, I think that even Caleb's team could outperform and, and Kemper's team. Um, I think all three of those guys would probably, I think it's going to be like Caleb, Kemper, Andres, and Lennon um, as like the bottom four teams uh, in the league here. And then Dennison as kind of like that uh, last playoffs. How many playoffs spots are we doing? Six or eight? Uh, eight. Okay, so like Denison is like that last like players playoff spot kind of team there, just because Denison will, is you know pretty good at like keeping up and, and making some moves throughout the year and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of how I see this playing <laughs> out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at here. I so. You're right. I completely disagree. I I re- I don't mind Andres's team at all. So that's funny, but. Where I think where you're coming from more so is that you don't see this lineup being 100% healthy all season. Yeah, I just don't have faith. Like, I just don't have faith in, like, Will Fuller being healthy. Um, I think, like, he's going to start off good. Like, Andres might be, like, that first team that doesn't make the playoffs, but also could be really, really bad, depending on, like, what happens with Will Fuller. Um, and then, <laughs> like, again, like, Miles Sanders not starting – right away right like he's he it sounds like miles sanders if he is starting is going to get a limited workload um so i'm just like looking through his team like mark ingram might start at the beginning of the year but you know might kind of take a secondary role to dobbins by the end of the year um like there's just a lot of like you know like uncertainty and like not just uncertainty but like a lot of like um issues that i have with each guy's situation that he has in his entire on his entire roster besides like Devontae Adams and, and Zachary. It's like those are the only two players that I'm like, okay, cool. 
Um, like even Kenyon Drake, I know he has some great value, but like, I don't know. Like I think Kenyon Drake is good, but like, you know, who I don't, I don't, he had like some monster weeks last year that I think teams just like didn't really game plan for because he just came out of nowhere um, through that trade and everything. So I think with like him having like some film out there, I would temper expectations with him too. So I think this is really funny and I'm going to call this before it even happens. I think Andres could start like three and zero. He comes in to the show, completely rips you and him, Baker back and forth. This happens once a year. We're on a three person show where you and Andres yeah. go back and forth, and then I think after that show, he could lose like five in a row. I could totally see him like starting off three and zero, and then still being the worst team in the league, like by the <laughs> by the end of the year. I um, I definitely don't and, think he'll be in the bottom, but. And and we'll probably host Andres earlier rather than later, hopefully. Right. Um, for your prediction to come like completely true with that, so um, I agree. Like I can totally see him getting off to a hot start, kind of like over, you know, feeling a little overconfident, and then just things falling apart. So um, <laughs> we'll keep. But maybe he doesn't because we we pointed that out. Maybe he kind of like you know is thinking ahead throughout the year. So um, cool. So I think that was a good first um, look at everything. Uh, we'll try and cover week one matchups um, a couple weeks from now. Um, probably a little bit of a shorter show when we do that. And then um, I'd love to, you know, I think it'd be cool to, especially there's so much that's changed in everyone's lives and stuff with everything going on recently that um, I think it'd be cool to like host everyone. Um, even on the Zoom calls, like I was just picking up, like a lot of people don't even know where like people are like living or like what people are doing. So um, if we can like, I think it'd be cool to like get a little bit more consistently into like hosting people and, um, catching up and, and just trying to like, you know, get a, everyone kind of like loop each other in on like where everyone is at in their like lives as well. So, yeah, I like the idea of the guest speakers. We really had fun with that in our first season of doing the podcast. Um, so I don't think it'd be a bad idea to go back to that a little bit. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Well, um, I think that's pretty much it here for the John League. Thanks, Football Bros. We'll see everyone. We'll talk to everyone about a week and a half. And then um, if anyone wants to hop on the show for the next episode, I think that'd be a lot of fun. So until then, uh, peace out.